Hello and welcome to Across the River, a podcast that weaves together death and dying, tarot, and witchcraft. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Sarah. We are not experts of any kind, simply two witches who like to think and talk about death, dying, and divination. We invite you to journey with us across the river. We are recording across the river in Toronto, Ontario, also known as Tecoronto. The land that holds this city is and has been for millennia a home to many diverse First Nations and Indigenous Inuit and Métis peoples, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. The land teaches us about the cycles of birth, death, decay, and rebirth. We're grateful for the opportunity to live in and learn from this land. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Um, no one can see this, but I just got a haircut this morning. I can see me. it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and a hair refresh always makes me feel pretty good. Um, I guess I am feeling a little contemplative overall, though. Mm-hmm. Um, we have decided to talk about eco-grief today. Yeah. And uh, what kind of... Well, this has been a topic that we've been interested in for a while, and both of us were like, you know, someday we'll get there when <laughs> yeah. we feel comfortable. But um, recently, there have been fires in northern Ontario and Quebec, and it has the smoke from those fires mm-hmm. has affected a lot of different places, including Toronto, where we yeah. are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We. So we're recording this um, kind of mid June, and in the previous week, we and a bunch of other cities um, nearby, but also quite far afield. I think it got as far south as maybe Alabama. Yeah. Um, had this experience where, um, yeah, the air was full of smoke. Mm -hmm. You could smell it. You could see it. The sun for us went a sort of strange orangey color, not quite as orange as we saw from, you know, the pictures of New York and other places, but, um, certainly a very eerie feeling of stepping outside and saying, Oh, something is not right here. Very not right. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about how there's an immediacy to that experience. You know, we've spoken before on this podcast and we both know that things are not right and they haven't been right for a long time. But, um, for right, you know, for the, for the time being, at least we both live in a city that, you know, we have the privilege of being insulated from some of the worst effects of climate change. At least so far, we have certainly witnessed some here, Mm -hmm. but it has, not yet become as immediate for us as it is in some other places in the world. Mm-hmm. But this was an experience of immediacy that um, I don't think shook us out of complacency. I wouldn't say either you or I are complacent about it. I wouldn't say that but either. But certainly made it very, very present in yes. both our minds as something that we were thinking about and contemplating and uh, grieving Mm-hmm. This week, I, I certainly felt some grief. What about you? Oh, deep grief, deep grief. Um, I've been thinking more and more about what the future is going to look like. And it's so weird 
to mourn the future. Yes. Because usually when we're talking about grief, we're mourning something we have experienced that has now gone. Um, a connection, a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, a job, a home, the, any number of things. But it was something we had and that is now no longer. Um, and I suppose, too, we are mourning a world that we grew up in that will be no longer as well. But yeah. but I think I've been thinking about the strange future aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, and uh, I think this is something that, I mean, affects us all collectively, but especially as a person who is currently trying to become a parent, um, it feels very <laughs> immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels very scary. Yeah. I was thinking about you during this week of, of smoke because I was having similar thoughts. You know, there was a, I think it was particularly bad on the Wednesday mm-hmm. and I happened to have that day mostly off. And normally what I would do if I have a day off is I would go for a really long walk. Mm-hmm. I would walk down to the lake. I would walk out to Ashbridge's Bay, I'd go leave some offerings at some of my favorite trees, I would, you know, wander around listening to birds and probably eating an ice cream and whatnot. And instead, what I did that day is my very least favorite thing to do on a summer day, I spent the whole day indoors with the windows closed, Mm -hmm. and my air conditioner running. Mm -hmm. And I'm privileged to have the option to do that. Yep. want to recognize that first off. But I felt kind of miserable and claustrophobic and I tried to get some stuff done and I caught myself going is this what my summers are going to be like yes will my summer be me not being able to go outside because the air is poisonous yep and I had this moment of sort of horror at the contemplation of that future and um I I don't think I was the only one feeling that way in these areas that were being so affected. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to acknowledge the feeling. Now, is that feeling an accurate representation of what is ahead for us? There's maybe some truth in it. Mm -hmm. And there's also probably also a truth that we will still find ways of mitigating these circumstances and continuing to work to adapt and all of these things. And I think maybe this this particular episode is less focused on like, there are a lot of podcasts dealing with possible solutions to climate crisis. Mm-hmm. I don't feel qualified <laughs> to Neither talk about do that. I. <laughs> um, we might point you to some of them. Um, but I do think that one of the things we can talk about here is the feeling of grief and the emotional experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we're also talking about death when we're talking about this. Yes, we are talking about the death of the planet as we know it, Mm -hmm. which is maybe the biggest death that I can contemplate. Um, And, yeah, it's a big one. Mm -hmm. And I think... You and I have talked about this, and I suspect we are not the only ones that we have, I have, tamped that grief down. Mm-hmm. I have put it in a box for a very long time because it feels completely overwhelming to look at it. 
And we're not necessarily um, advocating for you to just like open that box up and dive in. Yeah. Um, But I think we do have to acknowledge that it's there. And I do think that we need to start processing it for ourselves. And because when I'll speak for myself here, when I have put that in a box and when I have not looked at it, it has kept me from doing as much as I could potentially be doing, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really resonate with that. I have done the same. There have been times when some new report or some news item has kind of ripped the lid off that box and it has all come flooding out and it is very overwhelming. And it kind of, you know, it sort of, takes me, you know, it kneecaps me for a couple of days. Like I sort of find that I can't really think about anything else and I find it really hard to go about my business. Um, One of the things I'm interested in here though is to do with the necessity of grief in, as you said, doing all that we can to stop these problems from getting any worse and to try to heal and repair what we can heal and repair. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that part of what has gotten us here is inadequate grief. I feel you on that one. Yeah. That, um, let me see if I can try to say a little bit more about what I mean by that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think for some centuries now, the major contributors to the climate crisis have been westernized, industrialized nations. Mm -hmm. Um, We're pretty clear on that, Um, mostly situated in the global north. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are nations that have embodied a mindset of the world is a, a collection of resources to be exploited and to be used. And it's, it's a, a large quantity of matter that mm-hmm. we can turn into money. Mm-hmm. And if all you're dealing with is matter that you wish to become money instead, you may not grieve for the tree that you have cut down or the river you have polluted Mm -hmm. or the creature who has died because you have disrupted their habitat. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that if we actually did feel the appropriate amount of grief over these things, we would be much more judicious in our, um, in our choices around how to go forward creating human habitat, which is often what we're trying to do with these, with these choices or Mm -hmm. all of the other things that have led us to, to this, this place of crisis. We'd be, we'd think about our own needs balanced in relation to the needs of other kinds of beings. Mm -hmm. And I think that I do see happening that people are now experiencing these griefs and it actually gives me hope. It gives me hope as well. Um, I think we've talked previously about grief as an expression of love. Yeah. And 
I think that's what's missing from the ethos is is that maybe it sounds a little you know what no love is missing from it mm-hmm. uh, relationality is missing from it and I think without those things it becomes very very easy to do what is um, good for us in the moment and really <laughs> really bad for us in the long term and not even good for us in the moment because it breaks up that relationality and it causes damage which causes damage to us yes i think that's really important to say is that when we i think just the way that we are interconnected in this wonderful web of life um when we do harm that comes back to us Mm -hmm. it damages probably several parts of us when we do that and I think you're right. I think the grief that is maybe finally now bubbling to the surface collectively is, again, we're not necessarily here to offer solutions, but I think it's part of the way forward. I think, I think it's a necessary thing that we feel this grief, that we talk about it, that we act from it. Um, and yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I had this thought during the smoke event, as we're calling it now, um, as though, you know, a smoke event is something that we've all, (laughs) we should all know what it is. Um, I guess we all do now. But um, yeah, that um, because grief is love, um, the grief that I was feeling indicated that I loved what was being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard place to be in. Mm-hmm. And I think when faced with that, it can be easier for us collectively, people, um, particularly the people who are most implicated in causing this, yes, um, to act as though we don't love what is being harmed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we do. And part of being a witch and deepening a witch practice over these last several years has been, in some ways, rebuilding, I don't want to say rebuilding or rekindling, because I've always, I have always been someone who, maybe this is worth talking about, I've always been someone who I would say loved nature. I kind of just put that in air quotes. Um, And it's true. You know, I grew up in a family where we did a lot of hikes and we spent a lot of time in the woods and where I lived was very forested. And and so I did. I I did love nature. But there is also something in that framing that sort of separates me. Do you see what I mean? I do see what you mean. But I'd love for you to speak more to it. Yeah, I think that's a kind of Western approach to say, oh, I love nature. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel so peaceful in nature. I feel so calm in nature. I go out to enjoy nature. Yeah, I love to get out and enjoy yes. nature. All true and and not wrong in any way. No. You know, I don't. I don't. It's not like a. Mm-hmm. I'm not casting a judgment on that mindset. But, but are you giving back? I guess is the question that arises. Yeah, that's a question. But I, it brings now for me this is a deepening question that is has been coming out of trying to grow as a as a witch has been trying to move from 
that kind of othered relationship where I'm the human and everything else is nature mm-hmm. to something more like a kin relationship mm-hmm. where I am nature. Mm-hmm. Everything around me is nature. And moreover, all of the other beings who are here are beings with their own sovereignty, intentions, desires, needs. Including the garbage truck outside. Including the garbage truck outside, which is performing an important role in the functioning of our particular ecosystem. So thank (laughs) you, garbage guys. Um, But I I have found that that's... A reframing that I have had to consciously cultivate on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked a little bit about that previously on this podcast. I think we have, but I think it's kind of a key part of both of our practices. Yeah. And a key part of, I think, how both of us see a solution to this problem. Yeah. Well, solution is maybe the wrong word. I'm um, Mitigation? Yeah. Or um, reconciliation? That's a good word for it, too. Yeah. Maybe. Where, so then, then I was having this, then I, then I have a problem, right? So okay. the problem is, I'm here in Toronto, mm-hmm. the forest is burning, mm-hmm. then it's my kin who are dying. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's way worse. <laughs> yeah. That's way worse than just, oh, there's a forest fire somewhere else. Yes. It's like, oh, these creatures... And kinds of beings and kinds of places that I've been trying to cultivate Mm -hmm. a relationship with and that I have begun to experience as relational. Mm -hmm. My experience has been sometimes that I offer a communication and a communication comes back. Mm -hmm. Now, who knows whether that is anything that will ever be scientifically provable, but my human experience has begun to shift toward one of communication reciprocity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that we all maybe need to have more of i i believe so as well um so what you're what you've been talking about has really brought me to the card that i pulled for today actually um which is the six of pentacles and i've brought my absolute favorite version of this card from the numinous tarot and uh what we see on the picture is uh, a little free library and um, a person kind of leaning on it a little bit and reading a book that they've just pulled from that library. Love that. Uh, Yeah, me too. I think I I love it a lot more. I'm starting to come around on the Smithwaite deck, um, but I do not like the Six of Pentacles from Mm. that particular deck. I find it very, like, the person who's giving is above the other two uh, people on the ground who are like, oh, please help me, and it's just not what I think of when I think of the Six of Pentacles. I think of relationality and I think of mutual care. Mm. Um, And what I really love about the Little Free Library image is that it's something that anyone can do. Yeah. Um, It doesn't require power. It doesn't require um, any particular resources. It just requires, hey, I have these books that I'm not reading. Well, you do need resources to get books. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But um, anyway... uh, It's just like, hey, I have these books that I'm not reading. Let me put them in this library. Maybe I'll be able to pull something from it. Maybe they'll benefit somebody else who will will be happy to read them. And I think it just establishes when we do something like that, as small as it might seem, I think it's an act that can help us to remember that we are connected. Yeah. Um, 
because we are so very disconnected, I think, in, we'll, we'll say again, Western society where, I mean, like, I don't know where, where any of my food comes from. Yeah. I mean, aside from the grocery store. Yep. Um, I, I can pretty much live my life disconnected from the people who around me who live in this city although the pandemic has showed us that we are connected in ways that we don't realize yeah um but yeah exactly what you were talking about with that that sense of disconnection i think the six of pentacles can call us into mutual care can call us into that remembering of connection i think it's one of like the most delightfully anti-capitalist cards that exists and um it really reminds us that we don't need this the broken systems that we have to connect with each other does that make sense yes it does like so earlier as you were as you were describing the little free libraries and you mentioned, you know, that you at some point you do need resources to get books, part of what came into my mind is, well, not if there's enough little free libraries around. Exactly. So, you know, let's say that your, you know, your budget does not allow for a book component, but if there's this ecosystem of sharing and swapping and exchange, mm-hmm. then then that that allows access into that resource. Mm-hmm. And all it really takes is some people who have access to the resource to choose to share it. And yes. And one of the things I love about where I live specifically is that there are a ton of these little free libraries. So lots of people do choose to share. Mm-hmm. And I have found some wonderful books in those little free libraries and I have put books in and I adore them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the access to that resource, which is knowledge, narrative, story, imagination does not have to be mediated through a corporation. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That exactly. And I think there's a connection there with looking at the eco crises that are facing us that perhaps there are aspects of that that don't have to be mediated through Mm -hmm. power Mm-hmm. Also, now I do think some of it does have to be mediated through power. Unfortunately, power is what got us into yeah. this whole situation, and until we overthrow <laughs> our oppressors, we're not. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I do agree with you that there's yeah. only so much that the average person can do in this situation. Yeah. So if we can't get capitalism overthrown in time, then we have to put pressure on the levers of power to the greatest extent that we can. Exactly. And we have to do it like right now. Right um, speaking now. of which, we're in we're in Toronto. Um, just so everyone knows, there's a mayoral election. Oh my gosh. Please yes. read everyone's climate platform and vote mm-hmm. in the mayoral election. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's my public service announcement for, for Torontonians. Vote. No. Yes, Um, any of our listeners who are in Toronto, both of us are saying, please, 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 please. Yeah, (laughs) we get that there are like a lot of complications about how much, you know, how much people feel that their vote counts, but your Mm -hmm. vote actually does count. Mm -hmm. And so... Especially on a municipal level. Especially on a municipal level. And I was thinking about this today, so there's a little part of my brain that's like, Toronto alone can't fix this. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not Toronto alone. It's every other city that is implementing these policies and every other city that might look at what we are able to do here in Toronto and say, Mm -hmm. oh, they did that there. It worked. 
let's do it here. Mm -hmm. So if we can get climate forward thinking people in office at every level, Mm -hmm. that is one thing that we can do. So if you're, if you're local here and you're in the Toronto area, you have a chance to enact some, uh, some positive movement toward, toward climate coming up. So please, uh, research and make your decision and vote. Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe it's the 26th. I think that's right. Election day. Yeah. Correct. Um, but advanced polls are, wait, what is today? Advanced polls might already be closed. Actually. Advanced polls might be closed. Never mind. <laughs> Maybe you already did it. In which case, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah. So all levels, right? There's a kind of like a cross recipro- reciprocity of action. And then there is also, mm-hmm. um, needing to do work to convince yeah. certain people that they need to do something, which, um, unfortunately it seems like without putting a lot of pressure on them, they probably won't. Yep. Do. So I have been reading, I'll just toss this out there because it's in my mind right now. I have been reading a book called not too late. Okay. It's a collection of essays from people who have been working at the forefront of the climate movement in mm-hmm. a variety of spheres. Mm. And I'm not finished the book yet. I feel like every week I come on this podcast and talk about a book <laughs> that I'm not finished yet. Listen, the book stack is only growing. <laughs> it's a problem. Um, but this is a recent book. It mm-hmm. was published in 2023. Okay. And one of the ideas expressed in this book is the idea that there were a few things in there that I found hopeful. Okay. First of all, people are more reactive to scary bad news than to good news. So we tend to hear more bad news. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that the bad news isn't true and isn't cause for urgent alarm, Mm -hmm. but we do tend to hear more about the problems and the breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. Another thing that gave me hope is that Studies and polls seem to indicate that most everyday citizens now understand that this is a problem, understand that it's human-caused, and understand the scope of the problem, Mm -hmm. and furthermore, want action on it. So although, again, I think that climate-denying types still take up kind of more room in my news algorithm... Unfortunately, I would like that tends to make me think that most people don't believe that this is a problem, but in fact, it does not seem that that's the case. It seems that most people understand Mm -hmm. what the stakes are. The deniers are just particularly loud, I guess. Particularly loud or get more coverage. Mm -hmm. And I have even read some recent journalism suggesting that some of the very, 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 very worst predictions that were mm-hmm. modeled a little while ago, some years ago, mm-hmm. are probably unlikely at this point because of changes that we have made okay, and because of advances in the availability and costs of mm-hmm. cleaner energy. Okay. So there is some good news that I have encountered mm-hmm. recently, um, but in part because I've had to go looking for it. It does not swim across my... Mm-hmm. My internet, yeah, readily available, and every everything that I have read that is on the hopeful side also has the extremely important caveat that this does not mean that we can be complacent. Mm-hmm. Really, what it is trying to do is stop us from giving up. Okay, 
which is I think an incredibly important part of the equation because I know for myself hopelessness is maybe the most dangerous thing that we can feel. I think so. I think so. Um, it's understandable why we would feel it. Completely. But I also... I would encourage... I would encourage everyone to go in search of the good news. Mm-hmm. Not to the exclusion of the bad or the scary news, but to include the good news in your news diet so that your diet is balanced. Yes. Um, I might bring in my first card. Do it. Yeah. So the card I have, I have two. I was going to only bring one card, and then there was a second card that appeared, and I'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the circumstances of that card appearing <laughs> when we get there. But... um. This uh, this topic came about. We were um, we were originally going to try and re-record a podcast on our previous topic, which was intuition. Yes, and, which um, just did not want to happen. We no. lost our first audio session, and then we couldn't even do another one due to technical difficulties. Yeah, we tried real hard. We did, and eventually uh, we looked at each other and said, "Well, we're witches, and this <laughs> is clearly not something that wants to happen right now. So we're going to pack it in." Um, and then on our walk afterward, we came around to the idea of doing a pod on eco grief. Mm-hmm. And that sort of seemed really right. Um, I think it was earlier that morning when we had tried to record, I had been sitting uh, with my windows closed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I usually sit at the altar for a little while every morning and light some candles. And sometimes I draw a card or do other divination. Um, and so I pulled out uh, a deck that you gave me. This is the Oak, Ash, and Thorn Tarot, which is uh, a really beautiful foresty, woodlandy kind of a deck. And I just said, what can I do about this? Mm-hmm. And uh, the card that I was given was the Three of Swords. And I mm-hmm. went, oh, great. You know, this is a tough <laughs> card for, for that. So, um, you know, at the outset, you sort of think, okay, so what? I just should feel sad. Like, is that, <laughs> that what I'm supposed to do here? Um, just to describe, it's a pretty, this is a Smithwaite style deck. Um, traditionally, this card shows a heart being pierced by three swords. In this case, the heart is a leaf on the ground. The swords are piercing it, pinning it to the ground. It's raining. And uh, perched on the middle sword is a crow, which is the suit, or the creature associated with the suit of swords in this deck. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very sad. It makes me feel sad when I look at it and Mm -hmm. I feel sad that, that this crow feels sad and it just (laughs) makes me feel like crying and (laughs) I still kind of feel that way right now. Um, but, but it did get me starting to think in ways that I was just sort of touching on about how inevitable it is for us to feel grief and sorrow when something that we love Mm -hmm. is hurt or killed or destroyed Mm -hmm. and the question was what can I do and so maybe one of the things that I and that we the two of us together can do and that maybe a community more broadly can do is to just invite a conversation about the kinds of grief Mm -hmm. that we're feeling you Mm -hmm. and I are talking about our grief but maybe there will be opportunities for other people to acknowledge the grief that they're feeling Mm -hmm. and to talk with others about it And to communicate about it. Swords are the suit of communication. Mm -hmm. And so when we see swords, we're often talking about 
verbal, written, communication, thinking, the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's the mind and the heart together, this heart-shaped leaf being pierced by the pain of the awareness of what's happening. Mm-hmm. We have to let our hearts be pierced mm-hmm. if we're going to address what's happening. And that means we have to be able to acknowledge it to ourselves and to talk about it with others. Because we're not alone. We don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. We're in communities and most of us, it turns out, feel this way. Yeah. So it seems. Mm-hmm. Most of us love this earth that we are on. Mm-hmm. That is such a beautiful card to bring to this conversation and such an interesting way for it to show up as well. Yeah. Yeah. When I said, what can I do? I was expecting, um, something very active. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. get out and protest, write letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we should do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting to me that the, the answer showed up in a form connected to an area that I'm already connected with Mm -hmm. so that's another thing perhaps for us to think about um again this is an idea i encountered i believe on a podcast um it may have been on the podcast ologies that i think i've mentioned a couple of times on here before um they had a guest who is involved with with eco activism um and specifically activism around um connecting people with with hope and with possibility Mm -hmm. um but they said you know in answer to the question what can i do which is a question so many people have Mm -hmm. um do something in an area that you're good at yes you don't have to i think become something or someone you're not in order to have action in this area yeah i think i've seen it talked about activism before where they're like you kind of think of activism as that the person on the front lines protesting, but they all, um, I wish I, I'm getting this from somewhere and I can't remember where, so I'm sorry, I'm not acknowledging my sources, but I think I saw it somewhere on Instagram. It was just positing like, but what about the person who makes the soup or the Mm -hmm. meal for those protesters to have fuel? What about, um, the person who organizes? What about like, just, you know, um, uh, there are so many different ways to show up and you can choose a way that is suited to your strengths and your abilities. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things that you and I like to do is talk about grief. Yep. And, uh, so here we are talking about grief yep. and, uh, and maybe that is a way that we can create space for people to connect with that grief perhaps without it being overwhelming Mm -hmm. and to understand that it sort of feels maybe sometimes I feel this way like if I open that box I'm going to feel that way forever yep but the thing about grief is that it it is like everything else it moves in cycles Mm -hmm. you will feel that way for some time Mm -hmm. and then you might think to yourself once that once that box is a little bit more cleared out, it might leave some room for you to have an idea. Yes. That's something you could do or try. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something about grief too. I don't know. I've always been one of those people. I, I don't know how many, I think a lot of people are where when we let ourselves feel that grief through that 
personally, I always think like, what can I do with this? Mm. Um, it's part of the reason that I started hospice volunteering, um, having encountered death a lot in my life and huge grief around that. Um, I always want, like, I have this instinct to turn it outwards in some way to Mm -hmm. say like, um, I remember, uh, when I had an abortion, um, I, I never ended up doing anything about this, but I was really considering like what kind of volunteer thingies I could do around it to help other people who are in the same situation. And I think that's a fairly typical human instinct is to not, I mean, to maybe get swallowed by our grief for a while, Mm -hmm. um, but then to try and make meaning from it in a way that is useful to maybe other humans or other beings Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah. 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 I think I'm going to talk about the Five of Cups. Yes, please do. And this card, I think both of us kind of look at this card and don't want to look at it for Mm -hmm. very long. Um, I am bringing the Five of Cups specifically. I know we've talked about it before, um, but I'm bringing it specifically from the Witch's Wisdom Tarot Mm -hmm. deck, which I believe I've brought in a card from there before. Um, This Five of Cups depicts a polar bear and two cubs on an ice floe. That's the top half of the card. Reflected in the water is a much, much smaller ice flow with that same polar bear emaciated and the two cubs are drowning in the water. And even just describing it, I'm getting uh, feelings. But I think we do have to acknowledge, I I think you're absolutely right that hope is so necessary and that there is reason for it. But this world is not ever going to be the same as it was. We have already lost, um, there have been extinction events where we're not getting those beings back and the future, the planet that you and I grew up on is not going to be the planet that my child grows up on. And that's just like how do you how do you hold space for that for yourself that big of grief doesn't even seem like the right word for it it seems so much bigger it seems yeah there's just uh i don't know if I personally have the capacity to hold how big that is. And here's the thing. I don't think we can do it alone. I think that's exactly why we're having this conversation right mm-hmm. now is that, yeah, one human being, you can't hold that. No one no. can. Maybe collectively, maybe we can. Yeah. I find myself wanting to share something I heard from Thich Nhat Hanh a number of years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, you ever read any Thich Nhat Hanh? Um, I'm familiar with a quote here and there, but I yeah. actually I, I haven't read and I do want to. So he, he, he died not too long ago, but he mm-hmm. was a Buddhist monk from Vietnam and a teacher and someone who... Um, 
was very influential in bringing Buddhism to the West. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or offering different approaches to Buddhism, maybe we'll say, to the West. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky um, about 10 years ago to attend a retreat that he was leading. Oh, really? It was a retreat in Niagara, mm-hmm. no, St. Catharines, for educators. So if you were an educator, you could sign up to attend this meditation retreat. Interesting. Um, it was fully beyond me. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was not an experienced meditator. Mm-hmm. It was extremely hard. I found it very, very hard to sit in meditation for the periods that we were doing it. It was a silent retreat, so we didn't speak to each other. Okay. Um, and it was very challenging, and it was very, uh, it was, a, it was very challenging for me. I'm really grateful that I did it. Mm-hmm. But there was a period uh, at the end of each day when there was an opportunity to ask him questions. And one young man got up and said to him, basically, how can you cope with the awareness that that the world is how can you cope with the awareness of what's happening to the world Mm -hmm. it's possible that life as we know it could be extinguished and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said at one point in the universe the circumstances arose for life to arise Mm -hmm. it's probable that they will arise again and that is the only thing he said. Huh. And I went, I was furious. I went, that's not an answer. That gives me no hope. Yeah. Are you saying that that your answer to this question is, if this planet no longer becomes habitable for life, probably life will exist somewhere else in the universe? Um, but I have to tell you, I have come around to that answer mm-hmm. as a viable Mm-hmm option for like holding this knowledge and I no longer find it quite as bleak as I did or as hopeless as I did Um, I have found it helpful from time to time to zoom out my perspective Mm -hmm. and think to myself that all things are cyclical even this planet and this solar system Mm -hmm. one day our sun will go out yeah (laughs) um and that life is an emergent property of this universe. Mm-hmm. We emerged, life emerged from the movement of the energies and particles here. And, and it probably already has emerged somewhere else. And it would probably emerge again. Mm-hmm. And that there is perhaps just this enormous cycle that we can barely even take in of of birth and death Mm -hmm. Um, I think about that sometimes when it feels too scary and big for me to Mm -hmm. hold at other times then something about it allows me enough space Mm -hmm. where then at a later date I can say all right, then what am I going to do about the precious life that is here right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I think one thing that's important to acknowledge is that 
Yeah, I think as witches we do have an understanding of cycles and of birth and death. This isn't a natural death, though. No. This is human created and accelerated to an extent that is infinite. Um, and, but I, I, I actually really like that answer. I think I'm feeling the same thing that you are where it's like, oh, come on, but, or what that you did, or it's like, um, but yeah, that bigger picture. And I think we have to, I think we have to be capable of really looking at the nuts and bolts of what's going on and looking at like that grief and overwhelm, but also holding the bigger picture at the same time. Yeah. Um, as a Virgo, I, I will admit I'm not great at that. I, <laughs> I tend to get bogged down in the details. Um, not that they're not important as well, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think each individual maybe has to find, whatever it is that helps them to hold this yeah whether it's an idea like that whether it's for myself um obviously this won't work for everybody but for myself just knowing that I am going to try to become a parent Mm -hmm. despite this and that feels like an act of rebellion and an act of not giving up hope and I hold on to that um but yeah, I think there's probably something that each one of us can find that can keep us from completely drowning in this mm-hmm. um, while we continue to try to wade in the waters of the grief. Yeah. I found myself hesitating to even tell that story because of how I reacted to it when I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's come to be something that offers a certain perspective that I've come to find helpful. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's there's a lot that can help us in those ideas of impermanence. Yes. Yeah. And embracing that things are constantly changing. I think that's maybe the only constant that there is, is that what was yesterday. Oh, there's a poem I was reading recently by Jane Hirschfield, I want to say. Um, I don't have it on me, so I can't read the exact words, but she was saying something to the effect of the woman who brushed her hair before bed yesterday it's not the same as the woman who dreamed in her sleep. It's not the same as the woman who brushes her teeth in the morning. Yeah. Um, and there, I think we have a lot of resistance to that sometimes, mm-hmm. but I do think, I find it incredibly comforting that all things change. And I think what it comes back to is yeah, just whatever gives us hope, whatever gives us comfort, um, that is the thing to hold on to so that we can do the work that we need to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I want to now ask you about the second card that showed up today. Yeah, I think it's related. So when I came in today, I 
I took out the Okash and Thorn Tarot and I started looking through it to find this Three of Swords that I wanted to talk about. And directly next to this card was a card that is unique to this deck. Mm-hmm. It's not numbered, um, but it is an extra card in this deck. So it's, like, I guess, a 79-card deck instead of a... 78-card, yes. Yeah, instead of a 78-card yeah. deck. Um, and it's called Possibilities. <laughs> and it has all four of the creatures who are associated with the various suits of this deck. So in this deck, um, crows are associated with swords, mm-hmm. squirrels with cups, uh, specifically the little acorn cups, um, rabbits with pentacles and earth, and foxes with fire. Mm-hmm. And in this card, possibilities, they're all here and they are all being either held or wrapped up or perched upon a dragon, <laughs> who I love, who is not a woodland creature, but it is a, is a creature of the imagination and of yes. the magical realm and of possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's a wonderful quote from Tolkien about dragons. I wonder if I can pull it up here. Okay. Let me see if I can, th- if I can remember it. Um, he, he wrote something like, as a boy, he said something like, I desire dragons with a great desire. Of course, I didn't want them in the neighborhood. <laughs> But a world that contained even the imagination of a dragon was worth it at whatever the cost of peril. You know, <laughs> something, it was something like that. I wonder if I'll be able to find it and put, and put it up. But um, there's just something just like marvelously imaginal about a dragon. Mm-hmm. And, and it was that this card was next to the Three of Swords in the deck when I went looking for it that made me think maybe this card wants to be in the conversation Especially because I, we, uh, you were, we were talking as you were pulling this card, and you were mentioning that a raven had visited you. Yes, uh, this morning. Uh, yes, a pair were... of ravens came to me this yes. morning, um, which is always auspicious for me. <laughs> um, and as I was sort of saying the word raven, my hand landed on this card. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still possibilities available to us here. Yes, we still have the tools of imagination and of courage mm-hmm. to approach those possibilities. Mm -hmm. Those possibilities are still available to shelter and, and help and guide our other kin Mm -hmm. who are depicted here. Um, It's not possible to not have lost through this because we've already lost. Mm -hmm. So the losses are real. We can't undo them both losses of whole species and losses of individual distinct creatures and individual and distinct places. Mm-hmm. But we do still have possibility. And I also think that there are a lot of people working really, really, really hard on this with yep. all of the capacities and and energies available to them. Um, and we can be some of those people. Mm-hmm. That card showing up just felt like such a light in the room. I know, yeah. <laughs> because we came here to talk about one of the heaviest topics I think that we could potentially talk about. Yeah. And yeah, that card just popping out of the deck like it did. Um, 
I think it kind of switched around what I was sort of thinking the conversation might be. Oh, there's something about the imagination. I guess I'm really loving what you're saying in that there are things we can't change that have already happened, but maybe we can change the way things are going. In fact, I think we can change the way things are going. The, the conclusion of some of the reading I have been doing is that it is true that we can change mm -hmm. how things are going. Mm -hmm. We have to actively change it, mm -hmm. but we can. Yeah. When people say it's too late, I think they are often thinking that it's other people who can't be changed. I, I feel you on that. Yeah. That it's systems that can't be changed as well. Yeah. And systems can be changed. Yeah. Not seen, easily. No, but, but we've seen people change them. Yeah. And I think we are at a point where enough people recognize the urgency of changing them mm -hmm. that it is a very real possibility that we will. And then we will grieve for what we already lost. Mm -hmm. But we will also be grateful for what we were able to save. Yes. Yeah. And appreciative of whatever future is possible. Yeah. Yeah. We can't stay in the Five of Cups, I guess. No. Um, we can't. Yep. And I also think it's not human nature to stay in the Five of Cups. I think you're entirely right about that. And it's not the nature of non-humans either. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this bear who is experiencing tragedy. If she gets back to ice, if she gets back to solid ice, mm -hmm. is going to eat a seal yep. and maybe mate and have more cubs. Yeah. It doesn't lessen the horror of the loss of... But it is, it's the way of living beings to try and go, go on. To adapt. To adapt. Yep. And to keep reaching forward. And I think that you're right. That That is the nature of all living beings. And we are living beings. We as are much living as beings. we think that we're something apart and special, we're not. We're animals. And mm -hmm. I mean, we're special. Every single person is special. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to say it that yeah, way. But, but every... I'm going to say something really really like internet person-y I don't know but like just like every animal is special too like I <laughs> yes. don't know why I said internet per I'm thinking of like I'm thinking of the I love cats ah. video <laughs> just like I love every kind of cat <laughs> it's yeah. like you know what I mean but like um every single unique creature I think is a sovereign being it is it and, is. and so all of us I, I I am I think we've been getting around this but like this sort of human exceptionalism mm-hmm has to, we have to re, we have to, um, mm -hmm. divest ourselves of that. I think it is one of the things that you and I have talked about this before, but developing some kind of more animistic worldview yeah. is maybe critical at this point. I think it is required. Um, it brings me to something we didn't even begin to touch on in this conversation and maybe don't have time to fully explore. So maybe it's another topic, mm -hmm. but, um, I think it is absolutely crucial that we, and by we I mean 
Westerners partner with or indeed are guided or led by indigenous folks mm-hmm. in this um, because part of why we're here is because colonization colonizers attempted to eradicate knowledges that would have prevented this yes yeah i think um i think this is a bigger conversation than yes, what we have we time don't for have right time now to do it but I am completely with you on yeah. that. I think that indigenous populations across the globe have or had um, ways of thinking about the world and being in the world that um, we desperately need now. Yeah. And that unfortunately white Europeans specifically did have at one point but for many years have lost that as well. Yeah. And that is a kind of knowledge. Yeah. That is a kind of knowledge that I think is incredibly necessary. Um, Yeah. And I think that um, what we're talking about here, climate change is a product of colonialism. Yes. Of white supremacy. Yes. Of capitalism. Yes. And I think that, if we're looking just for fixes for the environment, I mean, obviously very necessary, but the mindset that brought us to this place needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Do we have anything more we want to say? Or it feels like maybe it's getting maybe time that's to a good wrap place up. to wrap up. I think I would like to plug something that we are not fully, um, we don't have all the information yet, but Rebecca and I, as a consequence of um, what we've been thinking about this lately, are putting together a group for in Toronto. Um, so this is for our Toronto listeners. Um, it is called East End, uh, oh gosh. East End Witches Community Cleanup. Yes. And we have decided that on or near Lunasad, Lunasa? Lunasa. Great question. Lunasa, Lunasa, sometimes Lamas, depending on where we're sourcing it from. Near August 1st. The first harvest festival, yes. (laughs) Yes, the first harvest festival, near August 1st. We will be holding a ritual and also uh, a cleanup of, I think we've decided on Asperidge's Bay. Yeah, that's where we're thinking right now. But somewhere yeah. in the East End, some kind of green space that we mm-hmm. feel like we have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, with the intention of offering ritual to help people get more Connect. connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then giving back as yeah. well. Uh, and really what we're trying to do here is help ourselves and maybe our community as well um, remember our relationship to the land. Yeah. We all need to do that together yes. if we're going to get out of this. So we'll have more information about that um, by the next pod. Yes, next episode will be before that. So yeah. we will point you to all of the places. Yes. This is now just an idea in our heads. But um, but yeah, and we encourage you, if you are feeling a lot of what we're feeling right now, and maybe there's something that you can think of that you could do in your own community, Um 
and give back to the land on which you live. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we said, there are so many different ways of showing up. So yeah, if you can pick one that feels aligned with you. Absolutely. Yeah. You, whoever you are, absolutely have a capacity that can help in yes. this area. Yeah. You have unique gifts yep. that can be of use. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all. And um, we'll see you at the next dark moon. At the next dark moon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.